All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Yay. On the line, I got Sheldon Richmond. He is, of course, executive editor of the Libertarian Institute, where he writes a regular column every Friday, TGIF. The goal is freedom. Welcome back to the show, Sheldon. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, and uh, very nice to be back. Thank you. Yeah, man, it's been way too long. And yep. um, anyway, I'm glad to have you on. I have a problem here, which is I have a conflict of interest when it comes to the subject of this interview. You know, I'm not a Branch Davidian or an Iraqi or an Afghan or like any of those uh, other people I'm usually sticking up for. But man, am I a victim of the IRS. Oh, God, help me. I believe in religion. If God will save me from these goons, um, I hate them so much. So I've already said too much to, uh, you know, prejudice this interview. But um, I, uh, for the record, I've always hated them, even before they came to destroy me. And so that's good. And so my conflict of interest is sort of after the fact or whatever. You know, I got a head start on it. But for the rest of the interview, I should shut up and just let you talk about all this, which is not personal. It's just libertarianism as applied well, to this most evil American institution. Not to take the wind out of your sails, but, you know, I think every American citizen has a has a conflict of interest with the IRS. They both want the not same like thing. Not like this, right? man. <laughs> you want your money and it wants your money. So that's true of every American. No, you're right. No, so it is. Oh, I know it too. I know it too. <laughs> I'm just the one particularly being crucified right now. Okay. First they did it to Jesus. Now they're doing it to me. Well, for the record, that wasn't the IRS back then. <laughs> back then it wasn't the IRS. It was called the Internal Revenue Bureau. Only later oh, right, right. <laughs> Only later did they clean it up and call it a service. Service to whom? That's what I want. Thank you for your service. <laughs> exactly right. Well, yeah, I'm sure people say that to them all the time. You know what my first introduction to the IRS was? When I was a boy, in the very early 80s, there was a TV show called The Lottery, where the guy from The Lottery would go around and tell people, hey, you won the lottery. Here's the thing. But he yeah. would bring with him, like his partner was an IRS agent. And the IRS agent would go, that's right. And then now we're taking half of it and would be, it was this weird thing. I Man, I should look that up. That's the first time I thought of that in a long time. But, and it was always this horrible, like good cop, bad cop thing. And the people hated the IRS agent. I didn't know so that, that show. I, didn't know that, I did not know that show. And there was an older show I used to watch called The Millionaire, where this wealthy guy would pick out somebody that he thought was, uh, I don't know, especially deserving or needy or something and give them a million dollars. But it was tax free. They'd pay the taxes. The, the the donor would pay the taxes, so the person got got it free and clear. Mm. In other words, he paid more than a million, so that the person could get a million. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, so Joe Biden. I mean, remember when uh, W. Bush invaded Iraq? And I know these are two thousand three dollars, but still, he yeah. invaded Iraq, and he's like, "I need eighty billion for occupying Iraq," and everybody was like, 80 billion dollars! Oh my god!" 
Well, that's how much we're, they're giving just the IRS for the occupation of America. It's, it seems hard to believe. You think that that's got to be a million. A lot of people have said, isn't that a typo? But it isn't a typo. Is it, these bills are always 10-year bills. This is the, uh, the greatly named Inflation Reduction Act. And uh, I've long thought that Congress ought to be able to pass any bill at once, but it has no text. They can put whatever title on they want, it, but, but you know they want, but no text. So they can say the Crime Abolition Act, the uh, Inflation uh, Abolition Act. You know they can make any title they want, but they're all blank pages inside, so they can get that out of the system. Anyway, this is supposed to to reduce inflation, of course. Um, and what it is, what it is is a bunch of in effect tax increases, some outright, but some through these uh, increased audits and spending increases. Now, how that's supposed to uh, cut inflation, I don't know. But you're right, eighty billion dollars over ten years, and an additional eighty-seven thousand more employees. Now, those aren't all auditors, but uh, they are. In, many of them are enforcement employees, and that, and that more than doubles the current. Uh, the current staff, the current staff of the IRS. So this is, these are big numbers. This is part of, like I said, this is the revamped and slightly scaled down Build Back America because uh, Biden wasn't able to get that through in any form last year because Manchin didn't like parts of it. But anyway, that's that's one of the big showcases of the bill is this beefing up the IRS. And they, they're claiming, of course, that the way they're going to close the deficit, which they, they don't explain how that it relates to inflation, and it does, but, uh, but the point is, if they can use this beefed up IRS to get more money out of the, ri the rich and corporations that aren't paying their fair share, then they can close the deficit. And, you know, theoretically, that would lead to less inflation. Uh, they promise that nobody below $400,000 will face an additional chance of audits. But there's nothing in the bill about that. And we know how these things work. There aren't enough rich people. Unfortunately, there aren't enough rich people. Uh, number one, so they're not going to be able to get the money they say they're going to get, which is like four, three hundred million dollars over ten years, <clears throat> which is a very tiny percentage of the debts of the uh, of the deficits that will accumulate over the ten years anyway, like two percent. So even there, it doesn't matter much. But they're not going to be able to get the money from the wealthy people. Number one, there aren't enough wealthy people. Number two, wealthy people by and large don't um, evade taxes. In other words, they don't violate the tax laws. They avoid taxes. Tax laws are complicated. There's all kinds of things built in, exceptions and you know, so-called loopholes. And they have uh, the best uh, attorneys, tax attorneys and accountants, to find them mostly you know, legal ways. Now, there is vagueness in the law, so something may seem legal to, to the taxpayer, and the IRS may say, no, you've, you're wrong about that, so you owe us money. But the point is they're not going to get enough if they only go after the people they're regarding as, you know, really, really wealthy, which means they're going to have to turn to lower hanging fruit, which is are people below 400,000, which means middle class people. And then you need to get a lot of them because you're going to get less money per person out of them. So you need to get a lot of those people. And the CBO last year in, in doing an analysis of this sort of thing said every every group of taxpayers will face a higher risk of ordering by the IRS. So all this all this language designed to make us relax, don't worry if you're under 400,000 you're safe is just propaganda and it's just it's just bad news. Uh, it won't do anything about inflation because the government will keep spending and even if it gets some new revenues there's more, it's more likely that they'll just spend the revenue the congress will spend the revenue on on additional things that it, that it wants rather than even shrink the deficit. I mean look how many times in the past have we been told 
that uh, beefing up the IRS will bring in more revenue and that will close the deficit. And yet the deficit keeps growing. The debt is at 30 children, tri uh, trillion. The, the debt last, the deficit last year was, uh, what was it, like 1.8 uh, trillion? And the year, uh, and that was smaller than the year before, which was like 300, 3.13 trillion. Uh, the deficit is large and it hasn't gone down despite all these attempts to bring in new money. So obviously that does not work. And there's no reason to think it will work this time. So yeah. this is all the well, old, as I say, the same old uh, snake oil, but in a new packaging. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I really need to study up on this stuff a lot. But it seems to me like raising everybody's taxes is deflationary, right? It punishes people for taking out loans and investing it in businesses and then earning more money and all of that. And so it dissuades people from doing that so the multiplier of all that fractional reserve banking is lowered yeah less but we get less we, we, have, we have less output which means yeah. i mean if you raise it to 99 percent, that'd crash the economy so anything between here and there crashes it to a degree you know i mean look inflation is an expansion of the money supply so the you know the old proverb is it's uh it's uh, too many dollars chasing too few goods or, or more dollars chasing this static amount of goods. But mm -hmm. the fact is the, st the amount of goods aren't static because of the lockdown from COVID. There's been a, you know, a slowdown. There were lockdowns. Uh, so there's much less being produced and the uh, supply chains were disrupted. So there was much less coming even from foreign sources. So there are even fewer goods than there would have been under normal circumstances. So you have all, all these dollars that the fed has been creating at least since, you know, 2008 with the bailouts because of the, uh, the government caused housing crash. Uh, so you have all that money, which is now getting out of the economy. Plus, the government was was spending a lot of money on the you know stimulus and sending money to uh, people that couldn't work because of COVID. You have all these new dollars. These aren't these aren't existing dollars. They're new dollars, chasing a smaller amount of goods. So who's why should we su be surprised by an increase? Yeah, if the government actually crashed the economy, then uh, you'd see you'd see prices go down. But I presume that's not what they're intending to do. I don't think they want to crash the economy. That's not good politically either. Yeah. Uh, so even if, you know, even with their assumptions, there's there's no reason to think it's going to make much of a difference. Like I said, it's only about 2% of the next 10 years worth of, of, uh, of uh, budget deficits that are anticipated. The other thing is a lot of these, all these predictions are based on computer models, which means we don't really know how much money even these these changes will bring in because we can't. There's no way to put into a, 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 a computer model how entrepreneurial people will react to new conditions. Yeah, because people are like black boxes, right? They, they're they're creative. They discover things on the spot that they didn't even dream they would discover. Obviously, they, they can't know a future discovery, or, or else that means this already discovered in the present. So it wouldn't be a future discovery. So there's no way you can know. And we know how bad these models are. They, they were bad on COVID. They made predictions that weren't borne out. And they were, they're bad on climate. They've been predicting climate disaster and, and uh, much higher temperatures than we've seen, much higher. And so uh, why should we have any confidence in, in numbers about the future that uh, these, these, these models uh, give us? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really the bottom line here is that this is a negligible difference when it comes to financing the national government. It's going to make a huge difference in terms of the police state that the Americans live under and everybody being audited to death and this kind of thing. 
And the power that that the regime has to target whoever they want specifically, and not just necessarily the right, but anyone who's in or out of their favor, especially business-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, I think there are some checks on it being used politically, and, the, and if they get caught in that, and uh, you know, some journalist, investigative journalist, uh, discovers that that looks pretty bad. So you know, I have a feeling the big thing isn't politically motivated. I think it's just the, the, the agents, the people who have maybe informal quotas, if not formal quotas, are are going to want to need to have uh, you know skins to to, yeah. to uh, you know nail up on the on the on the mantle piece, right? Here's how many taxpayers I, I got. Here's how much money. Uh, so the money may be less than they're expecting. But that's because, like I said, the rich, there aren't enough rich. Too bad. I, mean, I wish there were more rich people. Yeah. I you know, we, I, I wonder, wish we were all rich. I wonder if there's a slide somewhere. I bet there is. You know, even if it hadn't leaked, I wonder if even a congressional committee might have gotten a hold at one point of some kind of PowerPoint thing that shows on the sliding scale of people who you want to loot. Once mm-hmm. they have too much money, you want to stop trying to go after them because even though they have more money to try to steal they have more money that they can afford on the margin to spend on lawyers defending themselves and make it more difficult to be worth your time so there must be a sweet spot right there must be like a bell curve shaped line graph thing that says these are the people that you want to go after who have enough to steal but who don't have enough to really protect themselves from you you know Yeah, because right, if you're going to take on, you know, the really upper, super wealthy and uh, and companies, you you got to realize there's going to be a lot of time and a lot of expense of the IRS budget, even though it's being increased, it's still limited, uh, and you may think, and then you may not you may not win or you may not get very much money to show for it. So you may you may think, well, is that worth it when there's easier pickings? That will be cheaper and less time-consuming. Try and get on to somebody else. No, that's that's certainly true. I mean, I don't know. How they, I've never seen documents on how they calculate such things, but that stands to reason. And we know human nature. We know how you 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 want to spend as little as possible to get the the most as possible. And that applies to an IRS agent too. Yeah. So, uh, and just the, the fact that the, some people, you know, additional people will now need to be concerned, even though they've done nothing, even violating the law to violate the law uh, about being called in. And the IRS, of course, can make your life hell. Uh, the uh, You're causing heartache and anxiety to people that uh, or be free of that. I mean, it's, it's one of the bad things about the income tax. I mean, I don't like any taxes, but I guess if we have to pick out one to be the worst, it's this because it's inquisitive. Inquisitorial, you know, in Amer- earlier in American history, whenever somebody proposed the income tax, the word inquisitorial was always used. No, we can't have such an inquisitorial tax, uh, it, which applies to basically everybody. Ex- you know, even even people who don't pay taxes, you know, face some risk because the government might want to check to see whether those people maybe really should be paying taxes, right? Uh, like uh, earned income tax credit, they may want to check up and see whether the person's abusing the earned income tax credit law and maybe should be paying some rather than getting some money from the government. So even that le- at that level, there's no, you, you don't have any guarantee that the government won't start looking over your shoulder and asking for documents. And, you know, and just the idea that every year you have to account to the government for your income activities, income earning activities, is offensive. It ought to. It ought to be considered unaf- 
you know, unacceptable. It is. People it's completely are, totalitarian. It's on. It is. It's crazy. You have to count for every nickel and dime to the national government. They want to like know they're you your dad, and you got to show them money. how you spent your allowance or something. Who the hell they think they are? Yeah. Sorry, hang on just one second. Hey, y'all, Scott Horton here for Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. Man, this stuff is so good. They get all different flavors. Garlic habanero, honey habanero, pineapple habanero, poblano jalapeno, and the blood orange ghost. They're all so good, I swear. And for a limited time, Tennessee Hot Sauce Company is featuring official Scott Horton Hotter Than the Sun thermonuclear hot sauce. It's full of Carolina Reapers, Scorpion Peppers, Dr. Pepper, Hydrogen Isotopes, and all kinds of things that'll burn your tongue clean off. Seriously, it's really good. Get yourself a hot sauce subscription. Spend $40 or more and use promo code SCOTT to get a free bottle of Hotter Than the Sun hot sauce. That's tnhotsauceco.com. Hey, y'all got to check out these awesome busts of our hero, the great Ron Paul. They're made by the renowned sculptor Rick Casali. They're 13 inches tall, hand-painted bronze resin based on Casali's brilliant original. Y'all may have seen mine in the background on my bookshelf in some recent interviews. The thing is unbelievable. Check out this incredible piece of art at rickcasali.com slash ronpaul, and you'll see what I mean. Use promo code Horton and you'll save 25 bucks, and this show will get a little kickback too. That's rickcasali.com slash ronpaul. Casali is C-A-S-A-L-I. rickcasali.com slash ronpaul. And there's free shipping too. The whole yeah. thing is insane. In fact, you look at how much money that they just type out of thin air all day long. Yeah. Why do they even need this at all? Other than a form of totalitarian control over the American people and every one of our businesses and everything we do. Well, I guess there would be consequences if they... Uh... If, if, if every bit of revenue they got, they got purely through through uh, borrowing because the, uh, you know, the interest, first of all, that would have an influence on interest rates would increase the demand for for the loans in the first place and competing with with uh, private borrowers. So this gets back to an earlier point you made. Uh, that would What's the total revenue they make a year? Do you know, like ballpark? How many trillions? One or two or three? That they bring in? Yeah, they, yeah that the IRS successfully takes from people? Every year? Oh, yeah, offhand, I don't know what the total is that they bring in. I mean, the, the budget is what? What's the budget these days? Four trillion? Yeah, something like that. Four or five. But last year it was, I year. misspoke actually. Last year, the, the 2021 fiscal year, the the, the, the deficit was 2.77 trillion. It was like moving into $3 trillion. Now, it was a little high historically because you, had, you did have all that spending. You had COVID spending under Trump and Biden. And, and so that you get like a spike which I guess won't be sustained, but it's still obviously very high. The, the, uh, the debt is about the size, isn't the, the, the debt is about the size of the country's GDP, right? I mean, 30 trillion. I'm not sure what the GDP is these days, but you know, it's, it's in the neighborhood. Maybe it's over hundred percent of the, of the, of GDP. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's sustainable. We've managed this long without, a, without a catastrophe, but, you know, I'm not confident that there won't be a catastrophe in the future. I'm not. I hate to be a doomsayer, and uh, we try to look at for the bright to the bright side, but uh, I don't see how that is sustainable. Uh, entitlement spending is is on automatic pilot and out of control. Uh, of course, you have all the military spending with the worldwide uh, network of uh, bases and troops and all that stuff, uh, and uh, there's no real political will to take a look at that stuff and begin to, to cut. 
it's a, you know, I promised my kids I'd leave them a better world. I'm really worried. I'm not going to be able to deliver on that promise. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know you gave it your best shot anyway. You wrote a book about why we ought to abolish the IRS back, what, I did in the 90s. In the 90s, the Future Freedom Foundation published it called Your Money or Your Life, Why You Must Abolish the Income Tax. Uh, and the updated version, the, the Kindle version is updated because it takes on the people who say, you know, the income tax doesn't apply to us regular wage earners. You know, the, there's a whole group out there that, say, that oh, says the technicalitarians. The yeah, the laws, they actually say it's not just that they missed. They didn't write the law. Well, they say they wrote it to exempt regular wage earners. Now, no judge has ever believed this. I, I looked at the stuff and it makes no sense. But the, I don't hear from those people too much anymore. But they don't want. Yeah, they didn't like. I mean, and here's the out. thing, too, like for those people who are interested in that kind of stuff even if you grant that the way the law is written here or there, some court decision from 1912 says this or that, you can't stand on that in court. You know there's yeah. no law. The judge can do whatever you want. That's where all that stuff breaks down, right? Like, even if you're right about your reading of the law, yeah. they're still going to do whatever they want with you. In fact, Peter well, you Schiff's know, father, Irving Schiff, pardon me, yeah. his father, yeah. Irwin Schiff, Irwin. was... You know, they imprisoned him. He taught people how to file a zero yeah. return and this kind of thing. And he died in prison, yeah. shackled to a in, hospital he bed. In, he died in prison. Yeah, I mean, and and in the most, again, I'm sorry to abuse this term, but it's what are you going to call it? It's totalitarianism, what they did. Again, let the guy, the guy's got to be chained to his hospital bed as he's dying? Why? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, I'm pretty he's sure dying he anyway. The, he used the Fifth Amendment. There's, a, you know, first of all, there's a lot of grounds that, the, the people have right they're all different ones yeah and they don't and none of them like the other ones right they all think mm. i don't know your theory's crap mine's the right one his was fifth amendment that the the return makes me uh, uh, you know possibly incriminate myself so of course they didn't buy that uh, there's also a great misconception that the that the uh, that the supreme court once declared that the uh, income tax was unconstitutional but that's a myth i mean i wrote a three-part article the future of freedom they amended the constitution ago. that's the thing about yeah but it. even before but even before that if you look at the 1895 case the Pollock case which preceded the the amendment that was the reason the amendment was written because of the case it itself did not declare uh, income tax on wages and salaries unconstitutional it only said the part of the law the bill that, the law that was passed that taxed the income from rents from land and stocks and bonds they said that was unconstitutional. Now, the reason, the only reason they didn't just strike those parts down and leave the rest of it, and namely the taxes on uh, the tax on income, on in regular incomes, wages, and salaries, the reason they didn't, they left that, they didn't leave that standing, was that they said if we only strike down the property side of it, it would conflict with uh, with uh, Congress's intent. The intent was not to put all the burden on the on the wage earners. And yet that's what would happen if we only strike down parts of it. So therefore we're striking down the whole thing. They, and then when, after the amendment was passed and Wilson passes his, the same year Wilson passes his law, uh, that quick case, that went to the Supreme Court under uh, a, a case called Brewshaper. And the court quite openly said, we, the, we have never held that the uh, uh, income tax on wages and salaries was unconstitutional. In fact, they said the Constitution, the Constitution now, without even without the amendment, gave Congress uh, the all-encompassing power to tax. 
I mean, it's an amazing, you read this, if you read this Brucheaper case, it'll make you sick to the stomach. In one paragraph, it uses about seven or eight different uh, uh, synonyms for the complete and all-embracing authority to tax, plenary power to tax. And guess who's vindicated by all that? The anti-federalists, because when the, con when the uh, Constitution was published uh, after the convention finished up its business, the, the uh, anti-federalists jumped on the taxing authority and said, this is totalitarian didn't use that word, but they said, this is a, like a totally all encompassing power to tax. This is terrible. Yeah. And of course it went through the constitution went through. Don't forget the articles of confederation had no power to tax. So that we were coming from a constitution that had no power to tax to one that had this all encompassing power to tax. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In other words, uh, what the, what the constitution really says is we, the people say there can be a national government and then that's it. They can do whatever they want. It's all implied powers from there. Anyway, I want to get back to uh, yeah. the current Biden regime and, and their war against us. Oh, and we're almost out of time here, but you okay. make a great point here about how corporations do not pay taxes. And from people who yeah. sort of have, you know, what Mises call that anti-capitalist mindset where they just kind of lean yeah. left on all things business, they sort of look at it like, oh, yeah, rich corporations trying to get away with paying no taxes. They're the ones who should pay more right. taxes. But- it's the customers who pay more taxes, just like I'm renting this house. But when they increase the property taxes, they increase my yeah. rent by yeah. a couple hundred bucks. So yeah. who's paying the property tax? I am not my landlord. It's I'm the same thing all the way down. Right. And, and then the other thing is I want to add real quick for you to comment on is that government employees don't pay taxes either. That whatever yeah. if they file at the end of the year in whatever way. That's just some kind of bookkeeping trick. It's all tax money in the first place. They're only giving a little bit of it back. But that's not really paying taxes. That's just taking a little bit less at the end. Yeah, exactly. No, that's right. Uh, they you know, act the, like they're taxpayers like everybody else when no, they're not. Bernie Sanders and the other, pardon the expression, dolts like that, think that they can... Uh, you know, they sound progressive, but they say tax corporations, you know, they're, they're all these, they're, they're these wealthy. And if you say to them, well, corporations are people, they think that you're uh, trying to get sympathy for the corporation. Well, you may or may not, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, metaphysically speaking, they're only people, you know. So economists differ over the, uh, they argue about the ratios, but three parties get hit, end up paying the tax. The employees... The customers, because you you get higher prices, because the companies then have less to invest and to cost, you know, in cost cutting and stuff like that. And the third are the stockholders. But many stockholders are not wealthy people, right? Anybody that's got a uh, an IRA or a retirement account of some kind has money in the stock market somehow, or in some index fund that, that has underlying stocks. So if the returns to, to uh, are lower, their their return will be lower. So you have these three groups who are, do not include super wealthy people, or they're not certainly 100% super wealthy people, being being hit by this tax. So it's it's one of the biggest acts of political misdirection to say we're gonna we're not going worry we're not going to tax you we're going to tax the corp the big corporations because they sound like they're these disembodied monsters right from like aliens from another planet that are I don't know what they're doing because they're producing goods so. It's, it seems to me I ought to get some credit for producing goods we want. But somehow they're sort of these aliens that we can just tax 
and no one else gets hurt by it. And that's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry, uh, but listen, everybody read this great article. It's killer. It's called The Coming New and Improved IRS. It's at the top of the page today at the Libertarian Institute, libertarianinstitute.org. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.